Did you know that NC Real Estate now offers boutique property management services? If you didn't, then you're going to want to know all about this. If you've got a commercial property portfolio and you are looking for someone to manage it anywhere across the UK, yes, we have a UK-wide firm, then you want to get in contact with me, Natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk and ask me how I can help you out. This is for you if you are sick of collecting commercial rent, you would like somebody to be on top of the tenants to make sure that they are performing their lease obligations correctly. This is for you if you want somebody to remember when rent's due, when there's rent reviews, when there's break clauses, and make sure that they're enacted properly. That's anything lease advisory. So if you want a fully qualified firm of commercial surveyors to look after your commercial property portfolio, email me, natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. Hello, I'm so excited this week. I have Alyssa Holbrook on the podcast. Alyssa specializes in everything mindset and commercial property. And so I thought it'd be really, really good to bring her on the podcast this week and ask some questions that I get a lot of right now. And a lot of it stems from the mindset work underneath everything else that we do. So Alyssa, welcome. I'm so excited to have you. I'm so glad to be here. So Thank Lisa, you for having me. My pleasure. So can I start off by asking, what's your background? How did you get to mindset and commercial property? Yeah, so I started with my first investment property when I was 14 years old. And it was just a mobile home, which is, I don't know if you have those there, but it's um, just like a home, a trailer home that you own that's on top of land. So it was small enough. It was a thousand dollars and I could just begin there. And so I started there and then continued investing myself. And in 2018, I added the mindset piece. So I saw that what was holding me back from reaching the next level in my investing was my mindset. I had this perspective that a lot of investors have of this one bullet mentality. It's like, I have this money. I've worked so hard to save it. It's my one bullet and it better work. Right. And if it doesn't, like, it's a huge problem. Most pe- most investors think like, I might not keep investing. That's kind of their perspective if it went wrong the first time. And so for me, um, I became a certified coach, understanding the mindset of what keeps us blocked, what keeps us stuck and how to get through when other people would give up, how to continue to be resilient and problem solving so that I could create the most flourishing real estate business and life possible. And so I really dove into the mindset piece and became an expert at that. Um, I received my master coach training certification, which is a high honor within the community that I'm in and did some other advanced certifications like deep dive training where we almost understood like therapy level work because sometimes the things aren't in our conscious mind, they're in our subconscious mind. So it helps me have all the tools that I need, not only to relate to the people that I'm working with, but you know, just to help them go as deep as they need to go. So that's kind of how I got into it. I also have been a licensed real estate broker for 13 years. And so I just find that all of those different elements are able to help me serve my clients the best. 
and get them the results that they want. What did you find when you did all of this research? What's the biggest mindset problem that you're finding from investors? Usually it's analysis paralysis. So they're lacking clear goals and clear outcomes. Everything seems so exciting, but how do they narrow in and focus in to actually know that this is a good deal and then take action on it. So someone I talked with yesterday, he said, I've been looking into investing for six to seven years. And he just recently started buying something. And that's actually very common for the people who come to me. They've been learning and studying, but they think that they're a new investor. And so this gets into the mindset piece of their Mm self-concept. Like if you don't believe that you can just become an investor. If you believe I'm I'm a new investor or I will be an investor, you're not actually going to end up buying a property, right? You have to start to believe I am an investor before you own the property to show up with the self-concept that has realtors or whoever bringing deals to you and lets you make offers without feeling like an imposter. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one thing that comes to mind as the biggest issues. Okay, I completely understand that. That's something that happens a lot with my clients. Or do you find it where maybe they have done a deal before, an investor has done a deal before, but they still now feel like the next deal is way too far out of their comfort zone. So they're back at square one. Absolutely. Yes. It's so funny to listen to people talk and they'll say, they they if especially if they bought the property as like their own home and then continued investing after that, they'll talk as though they've never invested before. And they discount their success, which I think we all do. Like we're humans. We are trained. Our minds are trained to look for problems, not to look for success. And so they'll say like, well, this is my first deal. I'm like, no, you did a deal. Like you already own property. Yeah. Um, It's just the next one. And it's just different than what they've done. And they think it's different. And actually the process is very much the same. They're just adding on. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have some questions for you about how investors should deal with certain mindset shifts. So the first question is, how would you say someone should shift their mindset? They've purchased a deal, but the expenses on the deal are not what they imagined it to be when they bought it so they're now feeling kind of like oh this is really hard it's costing me a huge amount of money this wasn't what I signed up for how do you turn that mindset around yeah so first I love to take them to the feeling that they're having with that thought right because it's so interesting there's an underlying perspective that this Like they think that it's reality that this isn't what they signed up for when in reality, they actually did sign up for it because it's happening. Mm -hmm. I think what they mean is I didn't anticipate it. And, and so when they think that I would love to take them just to the emotion that they're having, because if they're coming out of it, blaming other people or not really taking ownership for what happened and wishing that things weren't as they are. It's likely because they're trying to solve an emotion that they have internally with something external, right? So they need something externally to change. Um, They need someone else to take ownership maybe for them to feel a certain way when in reality, they can actually just decide to feel a different way. 
that's kind of like meta, but we can apply it in a very specific way of like, this is more than what I budgeted for. Mm -hmm. And then you can tell yourself this, there are always things that are uncertain, but what will I do with it now? Who am I going to be in this moment? This is what the property needs. And I could choose, I could choose to sell the property if I don't have the money. Like there's so many options available to you. And I think getting out of that place of powerlessness and into that place of power happens when the mindset shift happens. Agreed. And so how would you turn that around in that situation? How would you give yourself the power? Yeah. So you separate out the thought that you believe is the fact, right? So in this case, it was, this isn't what I signed up for. That's their thought that they believe is reality. Yeah. But what's so interesting is there is nothing that you actually signed up for except the property and you signed your name on the line and you had a pro forma and a pro forma is a guess, yeah. right? We're anticipating what could happen and then reality happens. And so if you can separate out what are the facts here, it would be, I own a property. This property is worth this amount of money. The property had this leak happen and the cost is this. And then you have your thought, this isn't what I signed up for. And when we look at mindset like this, it doesn't even matter what's true. Like they might think it's the truth. This isn't what I signed up for, but it only matters what serves you. So let's just like continue running this through the framework that I use. It's called the model. Um, their thought is this isn't what I signed up for. And they're feeling what? What would you imagine they're feeling? Frustration. Frustration. Okay. So then tell me from frustration, what actions are they taking around this? Let's just say it's a leak. What actions are they taking around this leak or this unexpected expense from feeling frustrated? Well, it's anger and not moving forward. I think one of the big things is, well, I can't invest again. I can't invest again. I just don't have the money. Or I wouldn't invest in such a big deal. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look at that. Uh Or I now can't afford to get this property managed properly. I can't afford any other expenses. I have to take it all in house now. And I have to do everything myself and it's on me and I can't afford anything else. So it's almost like a complete reclusive shutdown. Yes. Yes. So I see in what you're saying that they're globalizing the problem. Mm -hmm. So anytime that we take a problem and it becomes global, it feels like forever and every property and never, right? We're getting into that black and white thinking and we're making it feel like forever. So it intensifies the emotion in their body. And then they're catastrophizing, right? Um, Like thinking that it might continue to happen or I have to take it all in house. And they're creating it, creating their life to be powerless. They're putting themselves in a position of powerlessness because the truth is you don't have to take it in house. In fact, you could just not do anything and there will be a consequence. But when we're telling ourselves we have to, that's different than telling ourselves, oh, I choose to. I choose to make this repair. Yeah. I choose to make a temporary fix or I choose to make the long-term fix that costs more. Yeah. Yeah. And it just feels so much better for us. So it's like, it doesn't matter what you think is reality because we get to create and shape our own reality with the story and the meaning and the thoughts that we have. And the fact is what the fact is. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, we can't change the fact there was a leak, but we can change all of our thoughts and interpretations about it. And how I, I think it's really fun to talk about failure and like what we make failure mean, what we decide as a failure as investors. Right. Right. So can I ask you before we come back to failure, because failure is something we have to talk about. Um, So leading on from that, that leak story or that leak situation, we come into a bigger mindset shift that a lot of you listening to this podcast may be aware that you do. And I hope that this, uh, I hope that you listen to this and you listen to Alyssa's response and we start thinking through this. Okay, so in the UK, as with, I think, America, commercial leases are full repairing and insuring for the most part. So tenants, ha- commercial tenants have to pick up their own cost of maintenance, right? Yes, in some cases. In some cases. So that's yes. the same in the UK. And either we do it via a service charge or the tenant just does it themselves. What I am finding is that landlords want to play the good cop or investors want to play the good cops. They want to be the good person and they are not invoicing tenants what they are owed or what the tenant should be paying paying for because they want to be seen as the good landlord. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So then the result of that is that they don't have as much money coming in. And often it can be really frustrating because a tenant, they think, oh, I've just, you know, I've got that landlord under my thumb. I'm just going to keep asking for more and more and more. So the boundaries don't get put in place. The lease has the boundaries in them, but the landlord feels guilty if they say no. Oh, so interesting. Yes. How do you change that mindset? Yes. Okay. I have a couple of thoughts because one of my one of my clients, I actually just coached on this. So it's kind of getting at the core of people pleasing mm-hmm. that the way that you want to be seen is in this certain role that you have in your mind that when you don't go by the lease, that you are being good. Right. And in fact, I mean, there are times when that could be appropriate. But for the most part, that's not what the lease says. And so it's interesting to see yourself as being good to them versus good to your business or good to you. Right. And that was a really mind shifting concept for my client because he realized like he had had this idea of sort of like, I need to save them. Like it's my responsibility or my job or to be seen as this nice giving guy, right? But it had other implications in his life and for his business to where he wasn't able to keep up on other commitments that he had, you know, financially or in terms of his interpersonal life or emotions with family or whatever, because he was always being there for everyone all the time when they needed and always paying for the repairs. And so this is just such a great example that really it's who are you to yourself? And are you good to you? And are you good to your business? Right. Because the fear that comes from this people pleasing is, well, if I'm not nice to you, or if I'm not nice to my tenants, they're going to move out. They're going to stop paying rent. They're going to have X, Y, and Z 
over me. So I should just do it. And I should reply to these emails within five minutes. And I should be constantly running this building. You know, they email me, I reply. They email me, I reply. Oh no, they're angry with me. I reply even more. Oh, I'll chuck in something for good measure. How do we change that? Yeah. So one of the things within the people pleasing is just to understand that you're going to feel negative emotions. If you pay for the thing, if you reply in that moment, you're going to be going along with the role that's expected of you, but it comes at a cost, right? So you have a negative emotion. If you are always running yourself ragged financially or time-wise, or, you know, going against your schedule that you've set out for yourself, that has a cost to it. And therefore you have a negative emotion. You because you're not sticking true to whatever you said that you would do, whether that was in a lease or in your time schedule. And so it's understanding that like that negative emotion, you are going to feel either way. So if you didn't reply in that moment, I actually coached someone on this today. If you didn't send the reply on the weekend, what negative emotion are you going to feel? Because you will feel one. Mm-hmm. And so it's just you're choosing which negative emotion you want to feel. Right. So it's that willingness to be able to, how you feel and process an emotion is actually going inside of your body, bringing up the thoughts of guilt or um, even fear. Like, you know, for some people, this is with their jaw, like with their boss, maybe, and they're worried that they would be fired or they're worried that something will go especially wrong in the property if they don't reply right now. And so they're interpreting it and believing that it's a fire. And so they can just go into their body. And the process that I take people through is actually noticing where in their body doesn't feel neutral. And then rather than staying in your mind, you go into your body and you ask, is this emotion like first, where is it? And then I often place my hands there. If it's in my stomach or if it's on my chest, I'll place my hands there. And I put all of my focus and attention and energy into that. And then I start asking questions. Is it hot or cold? Is it dull or sharp? Does it have a color? And continue through like describing it. Is it moving or still? Until then, I ask, why is this here for me? Say, why are you here for me? And people always get an answer. There's a reason that that emotion is there. And then I usually ask, what does it need to hear from me? Mm-hmm. And you will come up with something that it's it's a part of you that's disintegrated and we can bring it back into integration. We're actually, this is the process by which we clear trauma. And so this is a process that you can go through that when you shift that one thing, it is the core of a bunch of other things going on in your life. And so you're really impacting all different areas and it has a lasting effect. And I see this over and over with clients and I experience it personally myself. Like I had done some work around money and within the next 11 days, I made $70,000 cash. And it was just, I did this work. It was a 10 minute session, maybe 20 minute session. And then it shifted and it just shifted into every area of my life. And so this This is the type of deep work that we do that you might not expect. Like, oh, I hired a real estate coach. Oh, actually, we're going to be processing emotions sometimes. Much of it is action-oriented. Much of it is not that. But when it needs to be, it will have far-reaching effects in your life. Okay, so moving on to money then. Yeah. 
there's a lot of mindset around so a tenant owe, so a tenant might owe money and a, an investor doesn't want to go out there and collect it so like oh i don't really like asking for money how do we get over that yeah the question is why don't you like asking for money right so <laughs> what have i had see this is one thing that i'm not scared of if someone owes me money I'm quite quite good at just being like can you pay, pay it please but I do have clients who will say to me yeah but Natasha what happens if their business is struggling and they can't afford it or what happens if they leave or what happens if they get angry with me yes okay so I think the question is, who do you perceive yourself to be? Like, what do you make that mean about you if you were to collect money when their business is in disarray or is struggling? Right. And that, that's what's uncomfortable for us to see. Yeah. Yeah. And also that aggression that comes back with it sometimes. And I get oh, it. Oh, I see. You, know, you can collect, you can... So you're asking for money that hasn't been paid and then there's confrontation that comes back. Ah, uh, so they're wanting you, to avoid. You, yeah, avoid the confrontation. So it's better for me to not have the money in the bank than it yeah. is for me to email someone and they come back with all these questions or they get angry with me or, mm. you know, so yes. on and so forth. So I see the core of that being your willingness to be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. because they have a perception of you, right? They might believe that you are hurting them and they think that that is their reality. You are hurting them mm-hmm. when in reality, this is business and that's the lease. But if you believe that you're hurting them, you will buy their story and you will agree with them and you'll end up apologizing or end up feeling bad or not collecting the rent at all. Yeah. And so it's that willingness to a experience the uncomfortable emotions with the confrontation that might take place place but in having those difficult conversations creates even better relationships in the long run or at least a better relationship with you because you're willing to be there with you in an uncomfortable situation and then the second half of that is coming back to that idea of being willing to be misunderstood they have a perception of you that they believe that you've created and you could even apologize if you wanted for that but not from a place of believing them Just from a place of seeing their hurt, Mm -hmm. seeing what they are feeling and what that relationship means to them, that is their reality. And you can have compassion and understanding for that while knowing that you are just doing your job and this is a business transaction. And so you can feel in alignment with yourself. And if you are in your power, rather than going over to them and believing their story, you are believing what is your reality you don't then have to justify yourself. You don't have to argue for your point of view. You don't have to have them see your side. You're just willing to be misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And you could just stand in your power in that. That is so powerful. Being <laughs> willing to be misunderstood. Ah, oh, I love that. Okay, for people who are listening, take that on board. How cool, because then that gives you permission to just chat to them and be like, it's what it is. It's what it is. Please pay and there's a lease fee. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so should we double background to the fear of failure? Yes, let's failure. do it. Failure will mean something very different to every investor. And yes. from my point of view, actually, if I delve into what failure would be for me, it's that I think that I'll have failed if I can no longer meet any of my financial obligations and everything gets repossessed, then I get bankrupted, then for some unknown reason, I'll end up in jail or something mad. That fear drives me the whole time. Why I would end up in jail from being bankrupted, I have no idea. But in my mind, like that for me is the worst case scenario. And a lot of investors have that strong feeling that scares them stupid you know the stuff that makes you wake up in the middle of the night with sweat pouring out of your everywhere <laughs> and that stops people in their tracks yes totally so at the core of that is a scarcity about what might happen and a worst case scenario that when we actually uncover it and you actually talk about like well what would it take for you to get there like Right. What would actually have to go wrong? Oftentimes for that, when people actually walk all the way through that to see what would have to happen for you to somehow end up in jail after having all your properties repossessed, um, they realize that it isn't actually real. Right. And when we get there, then they can see, like, I see that I'm coming from scarcity. And we also can see how that plays out in their day-to-day -day life. A lot of us keep scarcity as the mindset that we operate from because we believe that it serves us, mm -hmm. right? So it has a perceived benefit because it has protected us, right? Scarcity might have you saving money every month. It might have you like holding tightly and not spending. And, um, but it, when we actually see the cost of that, the cost to our nervous systems, the cost for us mentally, when we're constantly worried and investing out of fear, um, there's a difference between that and that's almost like the mindset that you're given versus the mindset that you create on purpose around investing could be one where you take the exact same risks, but you don't do it from that feeling. Mm -hmm. You do it from a calm understanding that I can move forward. And so I see highly successful people who's who I coach motivating themselves with this like kind of painful way of relating to themselves of just being hard on themselves. And if deals, if something does go wrong, we're often really unkind, right? We're like, how you should have known, how did you not anticipate that expense coming up? Like you should have seen that that prop, that that was going to happen. Um, and when we do that, we are going against ourselves in such a huge way mm -hmm. that it makes it difficult for us to move forward. And so this is the concept that I call having confidence versus having self-confidence. When you have confidence in yourself, rather than just in something that you've done before, it enables you to do things that you wouldn't have done because of the story and how you'll treat yourself afterwards. So when you know, I will have my own back. And if this deal went to zero, let's say I went bankrupt what would I tell myself and how would I treat myself? And for me, this is work that I've done personally with my coach. I hired her for this and for people pleasing the two things that we've talked about. Right. And 
I worked on this for two years straight because I used to be so unkind to myself. And now no matter what, my contract with myself is just that I will never mistreat myself for any reason. I could walk up on stage. I could be speaking. I could fall, whatever, fall on my face, say something really embarrassing. And it's like, I will not make myself wrong for the things that I've done in the past. I see this with a lot of investors who say I should have invested 10 years ago. Yeah. It's a subtle way that we are unkind to ourselves, Right. I, you are, versus saying I did the best with everything that I had and all the information that I had at the time and trusting that, you know, I took help when I needed to, or I, I used my resources in the way that I felt was best at the time with the knowledge that I had. And that way of speaking to yourself lovingly and kindly really helps you create more investing success and more income in the long run. Because mm-hmm. a lot of investors do kick themselves. Investing in schemes that, you know, at the time, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the shiny penny schemes or the get rich quick schemes yes. where uh, people get sold into them. And then they do invest their money and it all collapses. And then they're like, well, I should have, I should have seen that coming. Shouldn't have done that. You know, that's my life savings gone. How Mm -hmm. do you, how do you change the mindset on that? Yeah. So that actually happened to me. Like I paid for a training that I thought was different than what it was. And I had the perspective that I thought was reality, that it was a scheme. And that was so painful for me. It kept me from moving forward for several years on investing. And there was just so much pain toward those people. And how could they do that? And who were they? And that's so rude. Like, what is, how can they sleep at night was the thought that I had. Yeah. And it's coming to peace with, I mean, for me, it was actually understanding they probably did have some value that they were offering. And I just wasn't in a place to see it. Um, so, but it's, we have to be important not to tell ourselves a story that we don't believe, right? right. So we want to look at what's true. The fact was I invested $2,000 to go to a seminar. When I got to the seminar, everything was in-house, right? I could have continued forward with them, you know, doing the loans through them and finding the deals through them and everything. And I chose not to, mm-hmm. that's my story. And then you can also redefine and rewrite your past on purpose by asking who did I become through that experience? And so how did it make you resilient? How did it make you operate in business in a way that is not that, right? So I have very strong ethics and integrity and morals. And like the way that I show up and treat other people is extremely important to me. And some of it is because of that experience that I had. So you get to define who you are from today moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is such a good way of looking at it. Because it's not as if you died and everything stopped. Right. Your thought process just changed. Yes. And yes. Actually- and I also I have a lot of compassion for myself. Like when that happened, I was like 20, 21 years old. And I just think of like my innocence and belief and trust in investing in that said a lot about who I was. So I just take it to encourage myself. Um, and I think we can all do that. Uh, there was something else I was going to say about that. Oh, I know what it is. 
when an opportunity doesn't work out, and especially if I lose money, because that's a hard thing for people to come to terms with, I just believe that I get more than the value of whatever money I lost from that experience. And I actually do that very specifically with using an evaluation technique where I ask myself what worked well. So even in that loss of $2,000, I would ask myself what worked well and I would find it. I would take my brain there first. Mm -hmm. And then when you do the rest of the evaluation, your brain has different chemicals in it because the thoughts that we think actually create feelings through a cascade of chemicals through our body. And that creates a vibration, which is a feeling. And so I would take myself to the positive, what worked well first. And then I would look at what didn't work Mm -hmm. and what would I do differently? And what we see amongst highly successful performers is that they don't personalize what happened. They don't make it something that they did wrong. They make it like an external problem to solve and they hypothesize what happened. So I was, I would look back at that and I have, and I would say, I was thinking and feeling scarcity and from scarcity, when they said, everyone come to the back of the presentation hall, (laughs) I chose to purchase. And I just, I just took an action from an emotion. That's it. That's what happened. And there's no need to beat myself up for that, right? It was a lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was learned on a small scale. Sometimes sometimes that's not true, but even if it's a $10,000, $100,000 lesson, you can take more from that lesson than you lost. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you it say was- to someone who then says, well, I really wanted that dream, but it's gone so wrong that actually it's not for me anymore. Mm. I would want to understand if this is coming from the trauma of the experience that you had and if that's what you want it to be. Because if you like your reasons for not investing, don't invest. No one's going to make you. Right. But when you don't like your reasons and you there's still a part of you that wants to keep investing, then we can get curious about that part. What is that part of you that is still resilient and actually believes that it could work out and is willing to maybe even give it another go? And which voice do you want to listen to? And so when we're trying to make a decision, I often have people just list out, yes, no, for instance, continue investing. Yes, no. And then what are their reasons? What are their reasons? And If it's because it was a failure that they might say that was a failure, um, I guess just like, do you want to live your life from like not taking chances because of failure? Right. And And was it it really a failure? Was it really a failure? Yeah. And, and I like the perspective that the greatest businesses are built on a pile of failures. So my goal is to have fast feedback loops. And that means it might be making as many offers as possible in a short amount of time. And eight out of 10 of them will not work or nine out of 10, you know, 19 out of 20, whatever that number is, I'm willing to just take action, take action, take action, take action while having obstacles and strategies to overcome those obstacles so that I'm I'm doing my best to make 
to ensure that the deal happens and that the offer is accepted. But also I know that the faster that I fail, fail just being, I don't have the outcome that I thought I would have, Mm -hmm. that that is a positive thing because in school we're taught don't fail. We have to get A's. And it's exactly the opposite of the mindset that you need in real estate, right? In real estate, we want to go for it and try things with calculated risk and with obstacles and strategies in place that we can hopefully ensure our success. But then taking action and making swift decisions is what brings us into our personal power. Right. That is how we generate results is when we take action. Yes. And having faith and strengthening the mental muscle of being able to problem solve. Can something go wrong and you can resolve it? And that is developing who you are as a person and growing your mind so that your mind is actually becoming more valuable all the time as an investor. Mm -hmm. Meaning the results that you can create are more likely to be successful. So I like to put myself in the shoes of someone who I know could handle this problem. And I asked myself, what would they be thinking? How would they, what solution would they see that I'm not seeing? How would they be solving this right now? What questions would they be asking themselves? What resources and who would they be asking? Um, And when I get into that mindset, I'm so much more likely to find the solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So to finish up, is there a practice that the investors listening today could take on board that they could do daily or weekly that would really help with their mindset when they're investing? Yes. I think I'm going to teach the beginning of a two-part process that I teach. So it's very simple. It's called a thought download. And what you do is, let's just start with the background of you. You are creating your life through your mind. So there is reality. There's a piano in my office and there is a tree outside. Those things exist, but I am constantly giving meaning and interpreting those things as whatever meaning I'm assigning, right? And there's a deal, there is a contract, there is a commercial lease, but I'm constantly thinking things about it. And so the state of your mind actually determines the quality of your life, the money that you make, how successful of an investor you are, is all determined through your interpretation of what you see in the world. And so it's helpful for us to bring awareness to what is going on in our mind. Mm -hmm. And so when you just take out a pen and write down for up to five minutes, everything that's bouncing around in your head. It feels like there's a lot going on there, but generally we get all of our thoughts out in three to five minutes and then practice stepping outside of you. And I think of it almost like I'm watching myself in a room as if I were an actress in a play and I'm not me. And I watch myself read these words. And I think, I wonder how this girl thinks and feels like this is her thoughts. I wonder is she feeling anxiety today? Is she feeling worry about the future? Is she feeling stressed? Or it could definitely be something positive, but I like to just uncensored, write Everything that's rolling around in my head mm-hmm. and then interpret it in that way with a third person perspective. And when we do that, we gain awareness of just what is happening in our mind. 
I would ask myself like, what is this investor's self-concept? Do they think that they're a new investor? Do they think that the next step is too big? Are they spending time visualizing their future, right? And you can kind of get this idea of who you are from an external perspective to realize what it's creating in your life. So it's a very simple practice and yet so effective because when we have awareness of what's going on, um, oftentimes those thoughts that don't serve us just dissolve Mm-hmm. And you don't think them again. Like even when we were talking about the worst case scenario thoughts, like when you actually write out those worst case scenario thoughts and say, here's a girl who's thinking that she's going to end up in jail after being bankrupt <laughs> for investing in these properties. Um, it often just doesn't come back anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Alyssa, this has been so good. If uh, anybody who's listening wants to find you, where is the best place to find you? Yes, it's alyssaholbrook.com forward slash. Okay, here, let me read it. Okay, it's A-L-Y-S-S-A-H-O-L-B-R-O-O-K dot A-S dot M-E forward consult call. C-O-N-S-U-L-T-C-A-L-L. And that's, if you want to book an hour with me for me to look at what's holding you back and what mindset would take you to the next level, I offer those free of charge and we see if this might be a good relationship to continue forward. And if you want to work with me as your coach and I love doing that, we are on the mindset side. And then we also look at your overall financial situation, just meaning what risk you can take on, the amount of money that you have to invest, the area that you're thinking of investing. And I walk you through actually doing the investing. Um, If you just want to stay in contact, um, go to Instagram, Alyssa Holbrook coach. And I'm Alyssa Holbrook on LinkedIn as well. Those are our American platforms. I don't know if you all use those. Yeah, yeah, we do. Alyssa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. And you have given us so much food for thought and I hope that all of my listeners you take this away and you start implementing this because this is going to take you so far on your investment journey thank you so much for having me it's been a delight Thank you so much for listening today. If you've loved this pod, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And make sure to leave a five-star review as this makes me so happy and it helps to boost the show and get it out there to more property investors. Finally, if you want to email the pod, you can write to me, Natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.